Well, good morning. Uh, all right, so we're going to be sharing the word today. Um, I haven't done this in a while, so forgive me if I stumble on my words or uh, I, I try to enunciate. Can, can you tell my, my accent a little bit? Okay. All right. Y'all? Oh. Oh, sounds good, huh? Let me put my readers. So anyway, uh, before we pray, I wanted to uh, do a little bit of a, of a prep intro and in where we consider some things before we dive in. Because it's important <clears throat> that, um, uh, let me just start by saying that Martin Luther, you know Martin Luther, right? Um, he used to say that the level of maturity of a Christian is directly proportional to his ability to distinguish between law and gospel or between law and grace. As you read the word, that you are able to tell, okay, this is law, this is grace, this is law, this is gospel. Uh, because both have a, a place in, in, in your salvation, meaning your justification and your sanctification. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to be uh, very much focusing on, on the forgotten part, the part that we always tend to uh, not, it's the gospel, it's the grace of God. We by nature are legalists, because it's, we live in a, in a society that is, it works by merit, right? And everything is, sure, make an effort and you understand that. You and I understand that by, since we're little. But the economy of God is totally different in that sense. You don't, you don't deserve anything. You, you're just giving it to you by grace. But that's, it's hard to, to grasp. And uh, I wanted to make sure that we, we got that settled from the beginning. Uh, Peter, at the end of his epistle, the, his second epistle, the last epistle, the last verse he says is growing grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we, we are commanded in Scripture to do this, to grow in grace. Uh, the law, we need to understand it, we need to learn it, we need to apply it, we need to use it. And, and, but uh, it, it comes like second nature to, to grow in law. Give me the rules and, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll put them to practice. But the growth uh, in the Christian life ultimately the being set free is by grace. Uh, in, in, in Acts 20, Paul himself says that he was uh, uh, a ministry, he, the ministry which we, uh, that he received from the Lord Jesus Christ is to testify what? Of the gospel of the grace of God. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is very much the gospel, the good news of the grace of God. That's Acts 20, 24. And uh, I want to give you the, uh, uh, a little bit of a disclaimer here because... It is, it is impossible to preach tr true biblical grace without appearing heretical. <laughs> it is impossible to, to, to preach true biblical grace without appearing heretical. Uh, that I'm, heresy. Jesus himself, you know, in, in Matthew 5, 17, he, he said, Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. What did he need to do? What did he feel the, the need to say that? Because he was being, you know... Uh, uh, tagged or, or accused of doing that. They said no. So uh, keep that in mind and it's also impossible to live free uh, in grace without appearing heretical also. Jesus also himself said, you know, Matthew eleven nineteen, 19, like, hey look, uh, they, they, they say that I'm a glutton and a wine beaver and a, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, right? So just keep that in mind. It's got to be biblical. I'm going to present to you this, uh, uh, this biblical truth. Hey, wrestle with them as whether what I'm saying is in the word 
or not. Uh, don't get scared. I'm not going to go out and, 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 and we're that tangent, but I just wanted to make sure we, we have our, our minds prepared and settled to, to, be, to be open to uh, growing in grace is counterintuitive. Uh, let's just let the, because the grace of God is by nature counterintuitive, scandalous, and flat out offensive to the economy of merit in which we live, right? So let the legalists in, in you, we all have, we all are recovering Pharisees. That's what we are. Uh, if, you're, if you are in Christ, you are a recovering Pharisee. Uh, and uh, the Bible speaks clearly that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So, uh, and, and, and grace will always be persecuted, right, by the, by the legalist in you, by the legalist in me. We all have it. We all wrestle with it. In Galatians 4.29, it says, as, as he who, who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so even, even so it is now. Okay, so it, there is always a war within us that says that we want to put a but to grace. Yes, grace but, or Jesus plus, or okay, yeah, it's by grace, but surely have something to do with it. it surely what's my, okay, and we'll, we'll, and we'll see that, so... Enough of that disclaimer. Let's just uh, um, pray and, and jump on it. Amen? Father, we come to you, Lord, baffled by the fact that you have extended your hand of love, your, your holy hand, your, your precious and clean and holy hand into our mess. And, Lord, you have uh, touched our hearts and called us out of, a, of, a, of the miserable life of living without you. And you have given us life in your son, and we love you because you loved us first. We thank you for your love. Nothing in this world, Lord, compares. No one has ever loved us the way you love us, and, and we thank you. We are so blessed, Lord. Uh, we ask for this teaching today, Lord, as always, that you would uh, search our hearts and know our hearts and search us, Lord, and that you would teach us Open our eyes to your grace. And your word says in Psalm 36 uh, that in your light we see light. Um, unless you operate, unless you open our eyes to, to further understanding of the freedom that we have in your son, Lord, we're going to continue to be stuck in, in, in where we're at. And you know how much freedom we need. I need freedom from my sin, and I, and I want more every day. I don't want my... Uh, my tendencies to, to keep me from the riches that you have in store for me. To the glory of your name, Lord, we ask. Do this. Work in us. Teach us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So, basically, have you ever asked yourself the question, what's wrong with me? Right? Don't leave me you know, alone here. Have you ever asked that question? I, you know, yes. It's like, man, why I do that? Why am I, why am I so sad? Why, why do I get angry? Or why did I do that? Or what's wrong with me? Everybody, everybody knows that, and, and that is a, is, is a, is a um, uh, evidence of our lostness, evidence of, of our, our great need for for God to work in us. And, and and I wanted to hone in on that because it is important that we see. What it is, according to, to the word of God, that is wrong with us. Because imagine if you had a, a broken ankle, 
right? And then to fix your broken ankle that is, you're hurting because you have a broken ankle for, for days on and maybe weeks and you're like swelling, it's, but then you're trying to fix it with, with ear, teardrops. Uh, it's just like, it's just hopeless. There's no, there's, if, there is no hope in trying to fix a, a broken ankle with, with teardrops. And so many times we do that. We try, we try to fix our, our sinful hearts uh, with things that God says in his word have no power to fix it. And so we, we want to know exactly what it is that we can say that the, uh, according to the, the word of God is, is our problem, right? What is, what's wrong with me? And, then, you know, and, and we are in a, in a safe place. We don't have to pretend that there's nothing wrong with us because out there you have to. Right? At work, you're not going to be telling people all your problems, how, how, how angry you are or how lazy you are or how you tend to be or, or how much you tend to like, be disingenuous or I, I don't know. It's just all the things that we, we, we inherit in our, in, our, in our fallen nature. But this is a place where we're safe to admit the reality of our need. There's something wrong with us. Everybody's born uh, broken in lack of something. And, and what is wrong with us, the Bible says... Um, and, and I chose to, uh, to, do, to use Matthew 1, 21, where Joseph, you know, the angel of the Lord tells Joseph what, he tells him this. And she will bring forth a son, I was talking about Mary, and you shall call him, this is Matthew 1, 21, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Ultimately, what's wrong with us is that we are in sin. We're born sinners. We, that's, that's the problem. Okay, and that's why Jesus needs to save us from our sins. Uh, that sounds like, like uh, a very, AB, you know, the ABC of, of Christianity, but it, but it's, it, it's, it's, it goes beyond uh, just being forgiven. Because ultimately, let's, let's get in the same place just in case. You know, so, there's some people here that, that are not so much, uh, you know, acquainted with the, with the Christian lingo. But uh, what is sin ultimately? To, to make sure we're talking about the same thing. So sin, ultimately, we can say it's living outside of God's design. Sin is living outside of God's design. Anything that we tend to do that is outside of what God designed us to live, that is sin. And it's sin because it destroys. You know, it's like a, uh, if you have a fish that all of a sudden decides, I want to be free, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of this uh, constraint of having to live in the ocean, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and live in the, in, in the earth. Um, how free you think that fish is going to be after, after five minutes? He's going to be suffocating. Eventually, he's going to die. Uh, and many times we, we do that. We, and not many times. That's, that's our tendency to live outside of God's design. And at, at core level, we are made to be in love with God and to walk with him. That is, that is what we uh, have been designed to do. But the question is then, okay, but then why do we sin? Why we sin? Huh? Why do we tend to deviate from God's design? And that's where I wanted to share with you like Romans 3.23. Uh, and, and where Romans 3.23 says, Paul says, or the Holy Spirit says through Paul, <clears throat> that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and I wanted to, you know, um, hone in on that, that fall, fall short word. It's a word in, in, in Greek, hysteria. And I'm not, it's not about, you know, me showing up whether I know Greek or not, but I just want you to understand that what that word means in, in the Greek is to suffer want, 
to deviate off, to be destitute. And many times we feel like when, we, when the Bible says that we fall short of the glory of God, it's that basically that we don't, we don't meet up his standards. But that's not really what that verse is saying. What that verse is telling us is that we are born disconnected from God. We were born, I mean, we were designed to find satisfaction in the love of God, in his care for us, and our security was meant to be found in, in, in his care for us. But because we're born, uh, uh, like, like, like the, the word says, suffering want, devoid of, destitute of God's glory, then we are at the mercy of whatever it is out there that can fulfill our legitimate needs, needs to be loved, needs to be cared for. Right? So basically, it is a hard problem. At the end of the day, it is a hard problem. Because by default, because we're born disconnected from the source, by default, we are idolaters. You know, we are enslaved by wrong affections. And that's why we all... Until we came to, until we're born again and come to know God and start being able to enjoy his love and his protection, we have been, you know, uh, substituting him, finding substitutes for his love and his protection in whatever is out there that this world can offer. And, and many times the love of, of parents are supposed to be, a, a, you know, just a, a pointer to, to, to the ultimate source of love and protection. But, uh, it, but then we find it in, in, in other places. But ultimately... Uh, anything that we worship, because that's what worship is. To whatever you whatever you seek to be loved, whatever you seek to fulfill your need to be loved and your, and your need to be protected, to, to be provided for, uh, other than God, is an idol. It's, that's you're, you're worshiping that, uh, and uh, and we worship obviously dangerous things sometimes like drugs, alcohol, illegitimate pleasure, uh, sex, sexual pleasure, adultery. And, and many times we do this, the not so obvious dangerous things like legitimate sexual pleasure, like popularity, success, honor, the praise of others. That, these are things that because ultimately anything that you must have to be happy other than God himself is an idol. Okay, let's just, let's just bear, bear, bear uh, and be okay. Not okay, but be... Uh, knowledgeable of the reality that we are all idolaters. We worship, we have wrong affections. We, we worship things that ultimately uh, the worshiping of that thing and, and enslave us and, and destroy us. The, the worst thing you can do is to worship your wife or your, or your husband and put the weight of your soul into that person and let that person and pretend that that person is going to save you and your need to be loved. If that person was not designed to bear that weight. And you destroy that person and you destroy yourself and it becomes, it becomes well, all those of you who have ever had a, a relationship, uh, you know what I'm talking about. But in reality, let's, let's just like, a, a, you know, uh, say it that way. Anything that you must have in order to be happy is an idol. It could be. It could be the need to be successful. Why am I, why am I, I don't know, certain, men have this uh, around 35 where you start having a midlife crisis. It's, and and you know, all the frustrations that comes, you know, teenagers start like being, being exposed to the to reality of their lostness and now all of a sudden there's misery, there's anger, there's, uh, there's it's, it, it destroys, idolatry destroys. So basically, uh, but let me show you an illustration and I wanted to, um, Put a little uh, handles to this. 
I was supposed to be able to do this, but it's, I'm working with Tom over there. Okay. So, basically, uh, there is a difference between the person that we know we should be, right, and the person we, we are. There is a difference. We all know that we should be uh, less selfish. Don't you know? You know, we know that we should be braver. We know that we should be, it's just a diff, there is, when we're confronted with the reality that there's a gap between the person you know you should be and the person you are, well, that creates something that the Bible calls reproach, shame, guilt, condemnation, okay? And, uh, uh, and, and, and that, that gap is widened by Go ahead, Tom. Sinful desires that have the root on a dissatisfied soul. See that song, I can find no satisfaction? I can get no. Wow. It, it, it's, the, it's the hymn of the fallen person, uh, even the, the being the sanctified one. It's, it's, it's a dissatisfied soul that leads the person to lie. It's dissatisfied in order to get something that he thinks or, or she thinks it's going to give him satisfaction or adultery. Or any, at the end of the day, any, any sin, you can, you, can, you can trace it back to a, a dissatisfied soul. <coughs> I'm sorry. Uh, and that being the problem, we have uh, men's solution and, and, and God's solution. And I want, you to, I want you to see this very clearly because men's solution is usually you go there Willpower. Okay? Oh, yeah, I see there's a gap between who I'm supposed to be and the person I am. And, and I, don't, I don't like the reproach and the, gain and the, and, you know, the, the guilt and the shame that it, that it brings me. And I'm going to, okay, I, I need to repent. I need to just, you know, uh, you know by, on my own willpower, you know, narrow the gap or make the, make the gap between the person who I know I should be and the person I am, make it narrow, right? That is, that is what it calls religion, legalism, moralism, right? But that's, that's, that's men's approach. That's men's solution. And it's exhausting. And does not, it makes you even more dissatisfied. So it, it actually is like trying to kill the beast by feeding it. Because the more you use your willpower to sanctify yourself, the more, the more your pride uh, grows. You, you, don't, you don't become a loving person by being able to... Uh, uh, to get yourself together because what, what, what that's going to make you demand that others if I did it you can do it does it not <laughs> it's, it's mercy but you'll see what God's plan is the one we, we want to focus on it's, it's different it's called salvation and what, does it, what do we do first with the, with the reproach shame, guilt it says the gospel of Jesus forgiven right and that's basically uh Faith in Christ, justification, reconciliation. So that the shame about not being the person you, you know you should be, hey, forgiven. All the debt is paid. All the shame paid for, God's not mad at you. Okay? God's not mad at you because Jesus paid for everything. And you, therefore you know because of the resurrection... That's why we celebrate the resurrection. The resurrection is, 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 is a proof that we have that God really took the payment of Jesus on the cross and he's satisfied with it. So he's forgiven. He's not mad. But then we have still what happened with the dissatisfied soul. Now, now we may not be as 
uh, as, as, you know, uh, uh, confronted with the reproach and the guilt because it's forgiven. But nonetheless, what about now? I may be going to heaven when I die, but then now what I do with my dissatisfied soul? And there is a very real uh, part. That's where, that's where we tend to neglect and tend to think, okay, for the, for the saving part or the justification part, Jesus. But for the other one, still willpower. Hey, find out what are, the, what are God's precepts and put them to practice, which we must. I'm not saying, like Jesus, I didn't, do not think that I came to, to abolish the law. No, the law is there for a purpose, to keep, you, to keep you from destroying yourself further until grace changes your heart. But then the, the satisfaction part um, or the sanctification part is where the, uh, the ultimate solution is that. It's finding satisfaction in God. And ultimately, what that is, is eternal life. Okay? So, um, uh, I guess uh, I'll just leave that there, Tom, for a little bit. But, so if the problem is a dissatisfied soul, the, the question is, okay, where do I find the satisfaction? Right? And that's where I wanted to take you, and, and you need to go at this point to, to Ephesians 3. Go to Ephesians 3 on your, on your Bibles because, of course, as you can tell, everything that I'm trying to say here is, is backed up by Scripture. I'm not, you, don't need to, you don't need to hear what I think uh, like you don't need a, a hole in your head. It, it doesn't matter how smart I am or how, how, how much experience. Or it's basically what, what God says in his word. If, I, if I'm saying something that is not in the word, then discount it. It has no, no validity. It may or may not. But it's, it's, if it's in the word, it's your responsibility to, to, to verify it, to see it. In Ephesians 3, there is a verse, at, at verse 19, where it says, and this is amazing because it says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Not just the fullness of God, but with all the fullness of God. Right? If you're trying to find satisfaction, whatever it is that that verse says, you will be filled with all the fullness of God. So let me ask you, say, what could you possibly need or lack if your soul was filled with all the fullness of God? What do you think? If your soul was filled with all the fullness of God, what do you lack? Absolutely zero, nada. Right? So that's what we want. That's what we need. That is the sanctifying part. You know, you want to be really, have fruit of the Spirit that glorify God, not the fruit of the flesh of doing it in, in willpower. No, it's just like God really coming and fixing the problem. You know, I have a, I have a, a tumor here that hurts really bad, and every time somebody touches it, I, I, I snap and, 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 okay, the problem is like willpower, say, mm, don't do it, don't, don't, don't retaliate, but, but, but the pain is still there. The grace of God comes and heals the, the tumor, there's no more pain. You see, you, you, you stop sinning because you have been healed. Your heart, now you have a new heart. But I'm telling you, in that, in that verse, we get the answer. How you get your soul to be filled with all the goodness of God. I mean, all the fullness of God. And according to Paul, according to the Bible, according to God himself through his spirit, what fills the soul with all the fullness of God is there in verse 17. And, and going on on 18, it says, that, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. Verse 19 is the key. That uh, to know the love of Christ. 
which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness, with all the fullness of God. So what, what fills the soul with all the fullness of God is the knowledge of the love of God. We need to wrap our heads around this because if, if, if you ask us in the, in, the, in the economy of this world what we need to do, hey, you keep your act together, repent and start, like, start obeying, man, which we must. But don't put your hopes there because that's not going to change your heart. That, that's, gonna, that's like anger management. You know, okay, when you get, when you, get the, you learn to find what the triggers are and stay away from the triggers. And if you get mad, then do this, go away. Just, to manage your sinfulness. God promises something better, which is to fix the problem so you're not sinfully anger or angry. Right? So what fills a human soul with all the fullness of God is the knowledge of the love of God. That is amazing. Because it's, 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 uh, the more you love God, the more it becomes second nature to obey his commands, his law. In 1 John 5, 5.3, he says, for this is the law of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Hey, when the legalist in you and when the legalist in me, when the self-reliant, you know, uh, merit-driven you hears this verse, it says, I need to... And to keep God's commandments so I can prove my love to him. That's, uh, uh, Oswald Chambers says, if you, ha- if you feel like you need to prove God, your love for him, you don't love him at all. I, I agree with that, but I didn't say it. <laughs> Oswald Chambers, if you feel you need to prove God, you prove your love to God, you don't love him at all. Why would he say that? Because the reality is this is the love of God that we keep his commandment and they're not burdensome. When we are basically, the more we love God, the less we sin. Because the more we love God, the more we find satisfaction in him and the more we find what we need and therefore we're, we don't need to sin, <clears throat> go out against the sign to find what we already possess that he already gave us. Uh, the, the Puritans call this uh, the expelling power of a new affection. Ultimately, the sanctifying factor on the, on the, on the, on the believer is, is a new affection. What keeps a drug addict from doing drugs after, after coming to know the Lord is because now, now I love the Lord. I don't, and if I love the Lord, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not loving drugs as much as I used to because I have a new affection. I, I, I'm enthralled, I'm so satisfying, caught up and, and so, 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 so pleased with this new love that I, that I don't feel the need to go out in there and try to, you know, drugs or any kind of other, other kinds of idolatries that, that we um, have been talking about it. Because the battle is for your heart. Whatever we love will determine the course of our lives. Uh, Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of, out of it spring the issues of life. Right? That's why Jesus emphatically said, uh, uh, you must be born again in John 3, 7, right? You must be born again. It's not, and he, he told this to a Pharisee, which is the, 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 the religious of the religious. Forget about it. You, it's not a willpower. It's you must be born again. The promise of God uh, uh, is to give us new heart. In Ezekiel 20, 20, 36, 26, he says, you know, making reference to the new covenant that was coming later, he says, and I will give you a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So it's, it's a work of God 
Uh, the greatest commandment, the Shema, uh, Matthew 22, 30, 37, said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment because ultimately, of course, that's where the freedom is. That's where the, what, that's where the solution to the problem is. The problem is then, uh, I mean, actually, before we go to, the, to how to fix that, it's like Augustine, remember St. Augustine? Uh, he said, how do I know the will of God? When they asked him, well, how do I know the will of God? He said, just, he, you know what he used to answer? Just fall in love with God and do whatever you want. <laughs> and it, it, the more, uh, that was at the beginning, it was like uh, walking with the Lord, I was like, why? What are you with that? Are you crazy? But then you know, oh my goodness, it's, it's true. You want another will of God, just fall in love with him and do whatever you want. Psalm 37, 4 said, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, he delight yourself in the Lord, so it's a picture of learning to, 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 to enjoy of God. And if you learn to enjoy of God, as, as, as he works in your heart to change it, then your, your, your desires are going to be given by him as opposed to uh, driven by your sinful. You can call that, I guess, for a second. Uh, so the solution is falling in love with God. Just keep going, Tom, please. One more. Until it's blank. Until it's black. So the solution is falling in love with God. And I want to say this. Repentance alone is not enough. Let that just settle. We, I'm not saying we don't need to repent. Don't say that. But I'm telling you, repentance alone is not enough. The solution is falling in love with God. Jesus said over and over, and I give them eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. The goal of repentance ultimately is not going to heaven, but the knowledge of God, eternal life. But we turn this salvation into a, a place that we go, like Disneyland, at the end of our lives, and then we, we, we totally like twist the whole picture because Jesus never died on the cross to take you to a, to a, to a cool, uh, pearly gate, nice golden streets of gold or whatever. Heaven is not heaven. It's God not, God's not there. It, that's why he said uh, in, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He, he, he didn't say no one comes to heaven except through no. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then in, in, in John 17, 3, he, he, he kept saying over and over, uh, I give them eternal life. My sheep know me and I give them eternal life. It's all about eternal life. When you read the gospel, you, you'll see that clearly. And here in John 17, 3, he clearly states what that is. He said, because we tend to think eternal life has to live forever. Turns out everybody lives forever. Some live forever in the presence of God. Some live forever in the, in, in the absence of God. But eternal life, he says, and this, and this is eternal life, that they may know you. And that know is a knowledge of intimate knowledge. It's the same knowledge in which a husband and a wife know each other. Not to be too creepy, but, but to speak about, and, 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 and I'm, not, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm, I'm overstepping in what I can say from the pulpit because Paul himself in, in Ephesians 5 says that, that, that marriage is a, is, a, is a picture. It's a mystery that points to your relationship, what God wants to have with you. A man should leave his, his mother and father, father and mother, and join his wife and be cleaved forever. Whatever. It's, it's, it's a picture. It's meant to be a picture of the intimacy that God wants to have with us and where the real satisfaction and the real salvation is found. Okay? So now... We have what the problem is and what the solution is, falling in love with God. All right, now you are dismissed. Go, 
No, I'm not going to leave you there because the, the, this begs the question, right? What's the question? How in the world do I fall in love with God? Yes or no? You want to hear it about what the Bible says? Let's, let's, let's dive in because the big question now becomes, okay, uh, I know I'm getting in trouble because I'm a teenager, I tend to lie and tend to do things so this way my parents is wrong. Oh, I'm a, I'm a middle-aged man, I'm dissatisfied with my work and I fight with my wife and, then, and my, I'm a wife and then I'm, my, my husband is not loving me. I thought he was going to love me, would be my Prince Charming. For, and you, you paint your picture. We all wrestle with, the, with, our, with, our, with our idolatries. And we all need to fall in love with God, therefore. So I'm hoping that so up until now, I painted the picture enough that you do understand how much you need this. This is not for others. This is for you. This is for me. That's where the freedom is. So how do we fall in love with God? Romans 5, 5 says that now hope does not disappoint. We're not going to go into the, into the, into the context of, of the verse because he's talking about trials and whatever. But he says, like a, on, on a side note, he said, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So you see what he said there? Because the love of God was, has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. At the end of the day, the birth of the, of the, uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit is the coming of love into the heart of a person. The love of God. Okay? Uh, the, the, the love of God has been poured out. And, and notice, notice the passivity of the, of the tense there has been poured out by somebody else, by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Not that we attained it in any sort of or, or way, but it was poured out and it was given to us. So falling in love with God, the first thing that we need to understand, it's only two, but the first one is very important. It says falling in love with God is an act of God. You are utterly dependent on him to work in you, this thing. You're not going to be loving God unless God works in us. That's why I was praying so much at in the, in, in the beginning of the, of, the, of the service. Lord, unless you, unless you build a house, we labor in vain. You, you have to move. And so understand that you are utterly dependent upon God working in your life and touching your heart. Uh, we were in the, in, the, in the men's breakfast, not men's breakfast, the, 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 on Wednesdays that we meet, and one of the brothers was saying, oh, we need, don't forget that we need the touch of God. Of course, yes, that's what we're talking about. Yes, we need God to work. We need the, his anointing. We need, and, and God foretold this, uh, and we, we kind of touched briefly about it in, in, in Ezekiel 36 when he said, I will give you a new heart. He says, I will give you a new heart. It's him. You can read it on your own. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 to 27. I'm running out of time here, and, and I, I, just, I just want to point it out. David knew about this in Psalm 51, 10. He said, creating me a clean heart uh, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He said, create in me. He's like, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a better heart for you. No. He said, he asked. Create in me a new heart. This is after he confessed that, you know, all, all his, uh, his fallout with, uh, with Bathsheba and killing his husband and all that. Uh, in the New Testament, we see that it's, it's, it's a matter of a new creation. And only God creates. You cannot create. That's why, for instance, like so many, I have so much, uh, I would like overwhelm you here with scripture. But 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, making reference to creation where God says, Let there be light. It's creation. 
He said, it is him who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the, 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 the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So basically, you've been born again because the same way God said, let there be light, the same way God showed up and he says, Andres, let there be light in the heart of Andres. And what? It's like I woke up in, a, in an ambulance and, and there's Jesus there. Boom resuscitating me and he he didn't he didn't tell me okay get up and start like cleaning yourself up you know i'm just like let there be light in the heart of put your name there if you're born again uh but even even further we need to continue to wrestle and, and identify where our affections are because at wrong affections will mess you up wrong affections will make you waste your time your life. Wrong affections will enslave you. You see, wrong affections will, would not give glory to God. But if you let God work in you and he changes your heart, then you will be a God-glorifying person. So humbly confess your condition to God and ask him and pursue him until he opens your eyes to his loveliness, to his glory. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. It's beholding. It's just as God, he lifts the veil, and all of a sudden we see it. Right? 2 Corinthians 3.18, write it down, because you need to make sure that I'm, that I'm not teaching you uh, whatever. And it says, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed. Being transformed. You don't do this. He does it. Being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Right? So humbly confess your condition to God and ask him to pers and pursue him. Like Jacob, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me, right? Uh, until he opens your eyes to his love for you. Because as we were seeing in Ephesians, it's the knowledge of his love for you. And the un unconditionality of that love that you need to know. In 1 John 4, 19, uh, John says that we love God because he first loved us. The knowledge of love begets love. You know how we're commanded to love one another, right? In fact, when Jesus said love one another as I have loved you, this is a new commandment I give you. You know the new part of that commandment is not to love one another. That was, that was old, old, old school. It's the as I have loved you. And that's not really an, a, a say, okay, imitate me. No. As you know my love, I'm going to empower you to love others as you get to understand my love and, and know it and experience it. The knowledge of the unconditional, never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love of God uh, is the saving, sanctifying factor. Let's just know that. Steve Brown, one of the guys at Key Life, he said, and I, and I love this quote because he said, the problem with Christians today is that we go to the cross to get forgiveness, but we don't stay there to be loved. We go to the cross, we get forgiveness, and then on my merry way I go, give me the list, right? Give me the list. And it's not, no, you know, it's by grace. The whole thing is by grace. You let my law keep you from destroying yourself, but your justification and, and your sanctification is by grace. It's a gift of God by something we believe. And I want to show you because, so, okay, we have, so far we have it. How do we fall in love with God? First, by confessing and asking God to work in us. And the second one, 
You see, it's by believing the gospel. How do we, how do we fall in love with God? We ask him to work in us. And, 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 and second, we believe the gospel. It's not by keeping the law, which we must, so, we, so that our sinfulness doesn't destroy us until grace fixes the, the, the core of the problem. And I want to show you this verse. It's, I, I had so many verses, I didn't want to bombard you with so many, but this verse you need to remember. It says, Jesus is asked this question in John 6, 28. And like, like we do normally, we say, they asked, they, and they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? That is in, common, in normal language today. It's like, okay, pastor, give me, the, give me the list. What do I need to do? Okay, I want five steps to a better marriage. All right? Or I want 12 steps to, to, to not... Uh, to not be an alcoholic. Or give me three steps to have, you know, good children. Uh, give me the list. Don't you, don't you relate with this? And that's, how, that's how the world works. You know, we, we, we live in, a, in, a, in an economy of merit. But you have to understand that the, the, the economy of God is grace. You cannot merit it. And Jesus, I want, I want you to see the answer. Because the answer to this question is like Jesus is putting a, you know, a stop in, in our tracks and say, you know, you're deluded. You are confused. See what the answer is. Says, and, and Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God. Notice how it's one work. They asked him, what are the works of God? Give me the list. And Jesus said, don't kid yourself. There's only one thing that God wants from you. And it's like it's selling it to you today as well. This is the work of this only one thing. And what is it? One more. That you believe in him whom he sent. So I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, this, is, this, is, this goes against everything I know life works. I want to work for it. I want to, okay, and I want it fast. And I, and I can be diligent. When I want something, I can be diligent. I have. So I want to be, now, tell me the list, I'll do it. I said, don't kid yourself. You know, I, I used to, when I used to teach, uh, I used to be a missionary and I was a pastor in, in Peru and or teaching through Galatians. And, and the introduction to Galatians, I, I, I used to do <clears throat> in Joshua. When Joshua is about to go into Jericho and conquer Jericho, the first place that they're going to really conquer in the, in the promised land. And the angel of the Lord, which everybody agrees is a Christophany, appearance of Christ before he was actually a baby, uh, like a human. He showed up and, 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 Joseph, and Joshua asked, are you for us or against us? You know, do I have to fight against you or are you coming to help me? And the, the answer is like, no. Don't you love those answers? Are you for us or against us? No, that's not an answer. He said, no, but in, in some form, I'm paraphrasing, I come to you as the, as the, as the, as the, as the general of the armies of the Lord of hosts. In a way, it's like Jesus is showing up and saying, you want to enter into the promised land, which is always a picture of the, of the spirit-filled life. And he shows up, I did not come here to take sides, but to take over. So move aside, it's grace. Okay? You want, you want freedom from your sin? Stop working for it. Believe me. I'm going to give you something. And you need to believe it. I'm not saying to, uh, don't get it wrong. I'm not saying to cast aside the law in the sense because the law has a purpose to keep you from going into the, into the fires of, of destruction further and further or putting yourself 
you know, uh, uh, bondage, chains of, of addictions that, that just makes you sad, lonely, and angry. But the healing of the heart, that's grace. It's just you have to believe something. And at the end of the day, what we need to believe is the gospel, right? Uh, so basically, uh, how do we fall in love with God? By confessing and asking God to work in us and by believing the gospel. By believing, by saturating our, our hearts, mind, and soul with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the grace of God. And I'm telling you, I'm going to put a couple of statements here. And my, uh, I was talking to my wife yesterday. Many times I teach this and people don't understand. It's going on marriage. So it's like I'm trying to be a doctor that, that tells you why are you sick. I'm just going to give you, if you just want the recipe, you know, it's okay, this is what you need to do. Uh, you, you don't need to understand how it works. Just do this and you'll, be, and you'll, be, you'll, be, uh, you'll get better. Okay? So you need, what, what, the statements that we're going to put in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the slides, let this be a prayer that you pray at least every, every minute. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, pray without ceasing. It's talking about this. When the Bible says pray without ceasing, Living in the presence of God, make you, that's, what you, that's what you need. You need to be reminded yourself and others. But you start with you because you cannot love, you cannot give what you don't have. Believe in the gospel. Just remind yourself the, 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 the freeing truth of the gospel. So uh, by believing, saturating your heart, mind, and soul with the gospel that says and screams at you that you are loved. You are loved, you are loved, you are loved. God's not mad at you. And you are fully known and unconditionally loved. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. And if that sounds like a heresy to you, wrestle with it and, and, and get to the point where, you're, where, you're, where you are persuaded biblically that this, what I'm saying is true, but it is. That's what propitiation means. And Jesus is the propitiation. Not only for our sins, but the sins of the whole world, according to First John. So you are loved. And there is power. Uh, in, in, in Romans, it's like, uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, but for it's the power of God unto salvation. So this is, this, is, this is the main message of the gospel. You're loved. It's like the, the glory of God shines brighter when the message of the cross says and yells at you with a, with a louder voice and the voice of your guilt and shame and condemnation. And it louds forgiven. You are loved. You're forgiven because you're loved. You're not loved now that you came to me. You've always been loved. That's why I came. I'm talking about to find Jesus, of course, right? That's why I came and paid for you and, and I pursue you even when you were a sinner, right? Christ loved us. So you have always been loved and will always be, right? Like I tell my children, you know, the gospel, it really, the, the, the way of salvation, the gospel is that God's not mad at you ultimately. That period. Jesus paid for everything, and we know because of his cross and his resurrection, and you have been forgiven. You, everything, all your sins have been forgiven. But if you want to be saved, use that truth to run to God so he can love you and set you free. Don't forget that second part. Because we leave it there, and then we just like, oh, it's about going to heaven. Forget about heaven. I mean, I, I, say, it, I say it a little nonchalant way, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Don't forsake the sanctifying side, which is basically where God mostly glorifies his, his name through our lives. Uh, 
God's not mad at you because of the cross of Jesus. Now use that. Now that you know your love, run to God so he can love you and set you free because ultimate salvation is in the knowledge of the love of God. You can live under the banner that says you are loved. You are loved. Say in Jude 1.21, keep yourself in the love of God. Keep reminding yourself. You know when your heart's on fire because somebody, somebody upset you? Or your heart's on fire because you're envy, you're envious? Don't, you know. Or your heart's on fire because you're sad, you're, you're, you're depressed, or, 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 or maybe, I don't know. You know those, those sinful emotions that, that set our hearts on fire and we're like, ah, no. Well, you know what you need to do now? Just preach the gospel to your, to your, to your hellish heart and let, let, the, let the sprinkling water, refreshing water of the Spirit of God quench that fire and, and, and set you free. Who cares? I am loved by the one who matters, and the, while, I, while I strive for the, 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 and I'm fearful because I want the, the, their approval, at the end of the ages, I have the approval of the one that matters. I am loved. You are loved. And I, I, I do it to myself in the you are loved as if God's speaking to me because the, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go there. But uh, in John 15, 9, it says, as the Father loved me. Also, have I loved you, so abide in my love. This is a, this is a commandment that is a, um, uh, it's, in, it's, 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 it's told in, in the New Testament over and over. Keep yourself in the love of God. You want, you want all the fullness of God? Keep reminding yourself and others of the great news of the gospel of the grace of God. So how do we fall in love with God? By believing, saturating our hearts, minds, and soul with the gospel of the grace of God that says this next statement uh, is, 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 is amazing because you don't have to be perfect. Christ came to be perfect so you wouldn't have to be. In John 19.30, Jesus cried from the, from the cross, it is finished. You see, you don't have to be perfect. Christ came to be perfect so you don't, so you, so you don't have to be. You know, when, you know, we all inside know, deep inside know, that if we want to be happy, we need to be perfect. But Jesus came to be, so you wouldn't have to. See, and this is, and this is not like permission to go and destroy yourself with sin. Hey, any, 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 any person with, 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 with some wit will understand that, that Jesus didn't die on the cross, so I can continue hurting myself. No, he's on the cross, so I thought so I, so I'm healed. So that I can know his love. That's ultimately what it is. Okay? So you don't have to be perfect. Because Christ, I will, I'm, I'm perfect for you. Is that, that amazing? Also, we, you know, by believing and saturating your hearts and minds with, and soul with the gospel, the grace of God that says, next statement, Tom, says, and this is, the, and this is key. And I'm working on this. I, I, man, I, I, I've gained a lot of uh, experience preaching myself the first one. You are loved, you are loved, and live in that. You don't need anything that you don't already have. You can stop pursuing idols because God already gave you in his son everything you will ever need for everlasting joy. And, and this is huge. Because you will tell me, oh, yeah, but I need, I need this and a, and a job. I need money. I need to pay the bills. Hey, don't kid yourself. You're restless because you, you feel like this or that. What you need is more faith to trust that God's going to provide for you. 
No, but I need to have like at least six months in my, which you, sh you know, that's a good, wise, uh, uh, you know, financial advice. Uh, but don't kid yourself. What you need is to not trust your money, not to love your money, but to love God, to, tr to, to have enough faith to say, I know God's going to provide for me and really live under that banner, under that rest that only faith provides. Because Second uh, Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God are in him, in Jesus Christ, are yes and amen. Colossians 2.9 says, And you are complete in him. Basically, this is amazing because God says in his word, everything you need for everlasting joy, with the happiness that so easily eludes us, God already gave it to you in his son. And when he says work out your own salvation, it's okay. Make yourself your point to find out. It's like God gives us, gives us a gift and it's a, it's a box. And it's Jesus. I tend to say this is not a box. It's more like a container or a tanker. You know that you, okay, at, at, the, at the very top of that, of that box, we have the forgiveness of sin. And many times we open it up. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to heaven and, and close it and go on a merry way. We're worshiping idols the rest of our lives anyway. Now we worship the idols of, of religion and the approval of others and being feeling good about ourselves. Whether we need to just keep on taking that box and finding out what, oh man, I don't need, I don't need, I don't need this. Everything you need. And I can, I mean, we can stay here all, all week talking about the things that, that we have in Christ. Uh, we could do a series some other time, maybe, I don't know. But it is true nonetheless. You don't need anything, Andres that you don't already possess. Because God already gave you in his son everything you will ever need and long for for everlasting joy. Uh, how do we fall in love? By believing in saturating our hearts and minds and soul with the gospel of the grace of God that says, uh, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's Matthew eleven twenty eight, And I will give you rest. So like I, like I put there, I believe. Keep next time. Yeah, it's like God is saying, this is the gospel. And we need to preach it to ourselves. You can rest, child. You can rest. You can rest in your father's love, in the identity that he gives you in his, in, as, as a beloved child. You are no longer an orphan. You know, when we, when, when we are out there, you know, sinning and you know, seeking out stuff that we're like consuming our lives, it's that we're, we're acting like orphans. Like you, like, like you still need, need a dad. You know, like you still need to, to care for yourself. Like you still need to, uh, to, to find love outside. Uh, in First John uh, 3, 1 said, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. You are a child of God. And the next one um, is, is, is closely related to this one. It's where God says, Child, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. And I know, uh, you know, because you have a daddy that loves you and takes care of you. See, you're not an orphan. And, you know, uh, everything that you go through in life is God-ordained. Whether he sends it directly or he, or, or he filters it, nothing comes to you. There's no cancer. There's nothing that, that comes to you that is not filtered by the, by the loving hands of a loving father. Okay, and yes, we live in a fallen world and all that, but God is sovereign. And everything, everything that you go through is, is, is tailored by God for a good purpose. You see what I mean? You don't have to be afraid anymore. That's why 1 John 4, 18 says that perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love. Are you, are you, sometimes you feel afraid of the future, of retirement, of, of whatever, or your, your children's not coming out all right, or whatever it is that, 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 
give, put freedom, I mean, put fear in your heart, just remember that perfect love casts out all fear. You don't have to be afraid, the gospel says, because you have a daddy who loves you and takes care of you. You are no longer an orphan, so stop acting like an orphan. I rebuke myself many times. Stop acting like an orphan, man. What are, you, what are these fears for? You know, where are they rooted? Uh, so basically, very, very quickly, because I run out of time, so this, is how the, this is how you get filled with the Holy Spirit, by the way. Okay? And I'm going to give you, you can take notes, because I cannot go, uh, you know, uh, in detail about this, but in Colo if you put parallel, you know, passages of Ephesians 5.18, where it says, be filled with the Spirit, and then you put it in the same with Colossians 3.16, says the effect of these two things are the same, which is teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, right? One says, be filled with the Spirit, and the other one says, let the Word of Christ dwell richly in all wisdom. The Word of Christ is not the, the Word of God in general. The Word of Christ is the gospel himself, okay? So let, this is how you fill with the Spirit. You know, there's, it's impossible to truly believe all the statements that we, and, and preach them to yourself and not just feel the freedom rushing to your, to your soul. In, in, in other words, in, in, and I wish I put this one up there because Romans 8, 16 says uh, that ultimately the Holy Spirit has one sermon to teach you, to preach your soul. It was sent to preach you one sermon and one sermon mainly. And it's there in Romans 8, 16. It says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of of God. You see, it's like the Holy Spirit sent to bear witness to these messages that we've been, you know, uh, looking in, 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 the, in the screen. And we need to just put my, ourselves in line with the Holy Spirit that was already sent to, pre to preach us from within and ratify this truth. Okay? So uh, the powers in the gospel already said in Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. So work it out. Philippians says, work out your own salvation. Uh, work it out by keeping yourself in the love of God. That is the working part. Keep yourself in the love of God by constantly preaching yourself the gospel of the grace of God. But meditating on what God has done for you more than what God has done, uh, more than what God has done for you than what you have to do for God. See, in, in, in Philippians, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice, rejoice always. That's what it means to rejoice in the Lord. You know, you, you, you take your soul and you say you start rejoicing in the Lord. I'm praying all those statements that I was talking about. That's how you rejoice in the Lord. I am loved. I don't need anything. I, can, I don't have to be afraid. You see, I, ha I can stop, you know, pursuing idols because I, you see, because I have the gospel. So as a final exhortation, I wrote, I wrote here, uh, think about this then. Are you just going to let the law of God manage your sinful heart? Or are you going to let the gospel of the grace of God fix your heart? Give you a new heart? Just take this home and, 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 and don't... Man, I, I just so wish um, for everyone around in here, I mean everyone in my family, my, my children, uh, for sure my wife, my children, you guys... Um, that we be intentional and not just letting the law of God manage our sinful hearts, but, you know, letting the gospel of the grace of God fix it. Because the knowledge of the unconditional, never stopping, never giving up on breaking always and forever love of God is the saving, sanctifying factor. In Hosea, he gives us this exhortation, let us know, let us pursue what? The knowledge of the Lord. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. That's... We need to know the law and the precepts and put it in practice. 
But don't lose, don't lose sight of the, where the real, the real freedom is. It's in the knowledge of the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. In Galatians 5, it says, for freedom, Christ set you free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not entangle again in a yoke of bondage, confusing law and gospel, and, and seeking and trusting that the law will save you. The law will not save you. The law will, the law will show you your need of salvation. The law is a tutor that, that leads you to Christ. Let's learn that the law has, it, it only gets so far. You want, you want to be free from your sinfulness? Just like Jesus said, this is the work of God. Believe the gospel and, and put yourself in line with it and let my Holy Spirit teach it to you and preach it to you over and over and over again. Uh, don't you want, you know, uh, at the end of the day to be an agent or do you want to be an agent of freedom around you? Because this is not, this is not to keep just for ourselves. And I'm super, I'm super running out of time here. But this is one more time because this is not just for us. You want to be a beautifying agent? You want to change your wife? You want to change your husband? See, the, the, the legalist in you says, let them have it. Let them know what's wrong. They need information. Done it? Don't leave me up here. You know, you know it's true. Hey, according to the word, you want to save that person? Just let them be filled with all the fullness of God by knowing the love of Christ. You heard love, honey. You know? Or whoever it is that hurt you, or what? you are loved. You want to change that person? You wish they were different? Well, that's the only, the only changing, real changing factor is, is, is the gospel. Everything that we preach ourselves, you can preach to others. And, and sure enough, soon enough, we're going to be relying on the gospel. We're going to be a gospel-driven congregation, gospel center. And the more you, we revolve around the gospel, the more freedom there will be because that's where the spirit of, of the Lord is. Amen? So, uh, worship team, you can come up here. Uh, I am a, I'm not really going to do like an altar call or anything like that because ultimately it's not a work, right? Uh, it's whether you are persuaded and you choose ultimately to put your hope on. So I want, I want right now, as you have been instructed, uh, all this truth have been submitted to you for your consideration. Uh, I share enough. Bible verses that, 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 that explain that what I've been saying is, is biblical. It's just, just right now, between you and the Lord, uh, just say, Lord, you know, this crazy guy up there is talking, kind of makes sense. And I see that I, that I, I need you. I need, I need something. And now I see that it's you. It's, it's the knowledge of your love. That, does that truly, really cast the power to, to change me? It has the power to set me free, Lord. Would you do that for me? Is that true? I need it. I know. I see, I see the, the shortcomings of my own soul. And, and I live angry all the time. I live fearful all the time. I envy, Lord. As I, look, as I look through the social media, I'm overwhelmed with envy. I want others' life. I might. I need you, Lord. Would you like the first part? 
work in my heart. Would you, would you turn on the light of the knowledge of your love in the face of your son Jesus to me? I'm here, Lord. I, I need it. I want it. I'm yours. And at the same time, you say it, Lord. I have the, I have the truth. I'm going to soak up on them. I'm going to start, you know, preaching them to myself so that I am, that I become a, a gospel-centered believer. That you may be, that you may free me. And as you free me, Lord, you get all the glory. Would you glorify your name in me and through me? And let this be your prayer. Let this be your time of surrender, surrendering your own abilities. They're nothing. The law, the flesh accomplished nothing. It's only faith expressing himself through love that matters in the Christian life. So here I am, Lord. I'm yours. Work in me. I need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.